Hello, good evening, and welcome to The Game Is About Glory. I'm your host, Steph, and joining me tonight are Ram and and Milo. And Milo! And Milo is back! Hello, Hi, gentlemen. Hey, Steph. Yes, oh, there he is. The pip is in his step because you've been in all that forest bathing. How was it? And are there any pilsners you'd recommend, uh, by the way, well, the, while I mean, we're The pilsner I'd recommend is Pilsner Urkel, the, the original pilsner. I mean, that's um, that's what's been fueling me over the last couple of weeks, although uh, Czech Republic has, uh, has many fine beers to recommend. But um, yeah, no, it's been very nice, and uh, it's nice to be back and not boring you with photos of forests. Excellent. And how is it having to wear pants again, having been wearing Speedos for two weeks and a fedora? I've never worn a pair of Speedos in my life, or certainly not my adult life, Steph, so. <laughs> there we are. He's back. He's back, everyone. You can tell. <laughs> Just swatting away my attempts at shit humour like tiny, annoying little gnats that probably were circling him in the forests in uh, the Czech huh? Republic. But anyway, I will not be that gnat anymore. <laughs> Yes, uh, I have to ask you, how did you keep up with the games? I'd watched quite a lot, actually. So I sat in my mother-in-law's back garden, watching games on my laptop and uh, on my tablet. And uh, the Spurs play was good, so I managed to catch up with our under-21s games and some of the women's friendlies. So uh, I've watched a fair bit of football. There it is, ladies and gentlemen. Another plug for Spurs Play, the only app that you need to catch up with Tottenham Hotspur Football Club on your travels. This was a paid announcement. It wasn't. It just kind of came that way, and I thought I'd drop a shit American accent. Should we just get to the week that was, chaps, and just get on with this, shall we? And shall I kick it off? Yeah, why not? <laughs> yeah. Sung Hyung Win was uh, subjected to racist abuse at Stamford Bridge last weekend. Uh, after a game, a photo emerged of a Chelsea fan making a racist gesture towards Sun as he went to take a corner. On Saturday night, Chelsea released the following statement. Following our statement this week on racist abuse at Tottenham at the Tottenham game last Sunday, Chelsea Football Club can confirm that it has identified and banned a season ticket holder indefinitely. Um, it seems crazy that we're still having to say this, but there's no place for this in football, is there? Uh, none. Zero. None. I think regular listeners of our pod are very clear on our views on racism. Um, for those of you that are new, let me just reiterate, fuck racists and fuck racism. I I'd fully endorse that message and I think we should also um you know credit to Chelsea they uh they they were on it they've got on it and they've uh they've taken the appropriate action as indeed any club should when that stuff comes to light so yes so I know Spurs reach kind of welcomed the swift action that Chelsea had taken but did say that they'd prefer it if it was a life ban rather than an indefinite ban indefinite but yeah that might be just in the um kind of a holding statement at this stage while they're going through the process you know i don't know where that's where that's leading and i think um i think it's also been referred to the police so there might be uh, you know kind of criminal actions uh, following whilst we're talking about last weekend's game against chelsea chaps uh we had mentioned on last week's show that Antonio Conte and Thomas Tuchel have been charged with bringing the game into disrepute and uh, the good news is uh, that in my in my opinion common sense has prevailed Antonio has escaped a touchline ban whereas Tuchel has received a one game ban which is in suspension right now I presume he's got a protest in so on and so forth and you have a whinge about it and everything and uh, Tuchel was fined 35k and Conte 15k um uh, you know, for their touchline antics, uh, he's appealing his ban, which I think is quite funny. Um, as he was, I mean, he's just appealing everything. This bloke, isn't it? It's unbelievable. I don't um, find him very appealing. No, bunch. nor do I. And in no. addition to this, Tuchel is going to find out if he has, you know, faces any further sanctions for uh, for the actions. Sorry, I'm, I'm sort of, I'm, I'm, you know, I wanted to actually do, I wanted to do something. Is that this is a an exclusive on the pod? I wanted to play you an excerpt of Thomas Tuchel's comments that didn't get through from last week's game against Chelsea. 
<laughs> that is an exclusive clip of the five minutes that Thomas Tuchel was complaining uh, <laughs> last week. Uh, furthermore, about I, 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 that's that's what it uh, sounded like to me. He just sounded like a droning windbag. And you know what? He should be the one banned because he's the one who engaged Antonio in that ridiculous ballroom twirl. Right? I mean, I'm not sure what's funnier, Steph. Your joke or Milo? Complete non-selling of it. It's <laughs> 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 just, just emotionless. <laughs> Teutonic he just knows he's going to try and sneak it onto the floor in the end. You know? yeah. We don't need it. Well, in fairness, in fairness to Milo, we really don't need to give Thomas Tuchel's um, quotes any more airtime than they've already got. But I just thought it was interesting to hear, you know, a little bit of the, the, the behind the scenes banter that he was engaging in. But yeah. anyway, yes, the right things. Are, but he was still, hey. He's he, an odd man. He is. He, he's, he's very, he's very Basil Fawlty-esque. And, but he was still on about the, I mean, still on about it last week. I mean, I, I think, was it um, Riley came out? Who, who was, it was Mike Dean. Sorry, Mike Dean, who was the VAR ref, who came out and basically, I've never heard this in the Premier League history. He came out and apologised, said, I got it wrong. Mm. He didn't apologise for missing the stamp in the ninth minute from Cucurello Romero. Regardless, mm. whatever, we don't go on. But he apologised and Tuchel complained about the apology. <laughs> it's unbelievable. This was on the Friday before a game against Leeds that they Chelsea were playing. Anyway. Tuchel has got massive, sm- he's got small cock energy. That's what he's got. <laughs> he certainly <laughs> does, doesn't he? He really does. It's, it's yeah. His small cock energy is huge, if you will. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Which is, which is uh, surprising like because he's a massive us... cock. <laughs> <laughs> he is indeed. He's a, r- a riddle wrapped in an enigma, surrounded by a conundrum. What a strange, odd man. <laughs> Big cock, little cock. You can see what we've missed on this pod, haven't you? He's come back from his forest bathing, just yeah. absolutely bursting with these brilliant little <laughs> quips and phrases. Which, what was that again? A riddle wrapped in a conundrum. Enigma wrapped in a conundrum. Starts off with a riddle. An enigma wrapped in a conundrum. That's my new. F- that's going to be my new phrase. I'm just going to throw that at people. Oh, you're an enigma <laughs> wrapped in a conundrum. <laughs> and then play the buzzing sound. <laughs> and then play the drone. That yeah, was the drone, uh, that was yeah. the, the the drone of a of a bagpipe, aka Thomas Tuchel's post match complaints, oh, pre match complaints, just complaints. I, I thought small cock energy was going to be your new uh, mantra, Steph. But no, that's the title of this week's pod, isn't it? <laughs> Come on, let's talk about someone who is just a, a massive presence overall. Yeah, Cuti Romero picked up an injury. It's all, it's all this is this is meant to be a Wolves pod. We're talking about the Chelsea game more more than uh, Wolves. Uh, he picked up a knock last weekend. Uh, when the news first came out, there were conflicting reports about what hadn't happened or you know how long he'd be out and all the rest of it. The club are meant to think that it's going to be three to four weeks. Romero's camp are meant to think that he'll be back for Forest. Uh, Conte is typically uh, bullish about this and and wants to push the player to be back as soon as possible. Uh, in his pre-match presser for Wolves, Conte said Christian had a little problem during the game against Chelsea in the final part of the game. It's a little problem and after the game he started to feel a bit of pain in his abductor muscle. We checked him, the player wanted to give availability but in the situation we have a lot of games to play and it'd be stupid to take the risk. For this reason he's not available for Wolves. So how much, actually, let's not ask about how much of a loss he is because we'll cover that later on in the Wolves game. When do we need him back? Ideal world, it'd be nice to have him back for the West Ham game. Um, Mm. But I do think if it is something a little bit more serious than a knock, then he needs time to heal properly and be fully fit for the remainder of the season rather than rushing back. 
Uh, yeah, I mean, I love the I love the image of of their sort of relationship because he's obviously. I mean, Conte's been talking a lot about him and you know how he's talking to him about you know leveling his aggress- how aggressive he is versus reactions, all of this stuff. It's like a bit of a father son thing. But there are times there was some one exchange that suggested Romero turned around and said, "Boss, I can play this week," and he turned around and said, "Don't be an idiot, like you know, you fool, <laughs> get get back, calm down, you know." And that Romero's just like straining at the bit, like you know. I, let me add him. Let me add him. It's like, calm down, you idiot. And like, you know, it's a, it's, it's a great, it seems like a great relationship. I mean, you know, talk about a player who will walk through walls for you. You certainly get that impression with Romero and he does, he's going to need some careful handling, isn't he? But Antonio mm. seems up to the task. Can you imagine having Conte as the man who's there to calm you down? <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> yeah. 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 Con- I mean, Conte that's, anger that's, management. Yeah. Well, we'll that's, get- yeah, <laughs> you know the one thing we can never be sure with him is how calm he is. You know, behind the stand, we're just not sure. I, I mean, I, I think Romero's. Sure. I think Romero's pretty calm. I, he doesn't. You know, you never see actually much. Yeah, but sometimes on the pitch when they. Well, no, but no. you never see it in his face, do you? He just oh, I was about his... to say, sometimes the eyes go and I just see a psychopath <laughs> like holding himself back. Like I see him like sort of a Dolph Lundgren type Bond villain, like just dialing back and like, okay, I'm going to fucking take him out in like 50 minutes. I, I just, I don't know. I see the assassin in him. Well, maybe we see what we want. I, I know what yeah. you're saying. He's not a shouter, but as you, well, as we all say, cutie never forgets. Yeah, no, I mean, he's going to get you, but I don't think you see it on his face. I think you know. <laughs> he's like he's like the second Terminator, isn't he, in Terminator 2? He's, he's more like that, I think. Yeah. It's just kind of relentless. It's just, you know, he's I, I, coming for you. I just, you just... Yes, Terminator, that's it. And I just want to clarify, my headphones, I thought you said he doesn't forget, but he doesn't sit on your face. You said he doesn't, <laughs> you don't see it in his face, didn't you? Yeah, but I mean, if I that's, so. you know... <laughs> If that's what you want to hear, Steph, then... Oh, it was very strange. I had impressions of him. And anyway, yes, no, my hearing needs to, needs to be tuned up. Um, let's move on. What a spicy week that was it is. <laughs> you should go forest bathing more often. <laughs> <laughs> Tangy and Dombele, uh has joined Napoli on loan for the 2022-23 season. Uh, Napoli are reported to have paid a €1 million Euro loan fee with them picking up the majority of the wages. And there's reportedly a €30 million Euro op- uh, purchase option that could become an obligation if Napoli qualify for the Champions League. I think this is an excellent move and I wish the player all the very best. You, I think we're all, I don't know if you share my feelings. I think you do, but yeah. I think that it, it's bad timing for him. Uh, everything that happened with us is bad timing. I don't think he's a bad guy. I don't think that he down tools. I think that he is a player who needs a special type of management and curation and, and set up. And I, I hope, I hope he finds it in Napoli and I hope he's a massive mm. success because if you're a success at Napoli, you're going to have a good time. Um, and do you guys think it's a good deal do you agree with me yeah i agree totally. yeah uh, yeah i think so I, th- I think i don't know if you saw the clip of him turning up for his medical with the fans yep. outside and singing his name and um i think they had a few medicals that day so i think quite a few players got that treatment but i could imagine him really responding to that kind of support if that's if that um continues i know he made the bench for their game today um which is pretty good considering was it friday when he signed thursday or friday yeah. so it was pretty you know pretty late in the week so um, that's good. And funnily enough, you know, you, you, you know, talk about Romero and whether things show on his face. I think a lot of the criticism of Tangai, um, was partly because of, you know, how he looked or how he moved, which I don't actually think is actually what his contribution to the game was. And, you know, as you said, Steph, you know, he, he came at, 
you know, into a club in turmoil, you know, Poch was in the final throws and then, you know, it, it was never really stable the whole time he's been here. And for whatever reason, you know, various managers have decided that he doesn't fit with what they want. But, you know, he's never really had a, a chance to, sh- he's never really had the platform to show what he can do. And I think in the right environment with the right manager, he, you know, he, he could be a world beater and, you know, yeah. whatever, what, I, I don't hate any of our players ever. And, you know, I, it's, you know, in our interest, I think he goes somewhere and, and uh, you know, it's particularly this season, does really well and gets them into the Champions League. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, course, you know, if he does that, yeah. then Napoli have got a bargain because 30 mm. million for, for Ndombele on top form is, is, is a snip because he could, you know, fulfilling his potential, he could play for any club in the world. Mm. But and and just to flip that as well, though we get quite a large salary off our bill. Yeah, yeah. No, it's a win-win. Yeah, it's, it's a win-win. Yeah, and he gets to hide a little bit from the press as well, which I think he's quite a shy person. I always felt he was quite shy and maybe a little insecure, as you would be with the you know the circumstances that Milo just outlined uh, were afoot when he came to the club. So uh, you know, all in all, I think he has been uh, somewhat misjudged un- and unfairly judged, and and mm. we all agree. You know, yeah. let's hope he tears rips it up at Napoli. I'll I'll be watching with some interest. I was going to say, that said, Napoli is a bit of a hotbed, isn't it? I'm not sure there's many places to hide in Naples. I think, um, um, I think you know, yeah, it's you know. he's going to be he's going to be at the heart of it. It's not it's, it's going to be difficult to <laughs> escape the fans and everything that surrounds that club in that city. I think. Yeah, yeah, but there does seem to be they seem to be a it's a passion driven um, club rather than I felt a lot of the stuff against him with us just became very mean spirited and, vin- yeah, and vindictive. I agree. I agree. Yeah, you know, and there's a slightly different level of, of of emotion expressed. I think in Napoli, who I mean, look, I don't know. I'm not a Neapolitan. You know, he's a, you know, he used to be a season ticket holder at Napoli quite quite confusing and he's a massive near neapolitan uh is uh, robert del Naja from massive attack he holds okay. a season ticket at napoli he might still hold wow. it actually oh. i'm not sure you out for games uh yeah 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 uh he i believe he used to get out for, for a fair few i think it, i think he's got i mean i think some of his family well del Naja, yeah, i think some of his family are, his name, are neapolitan but, um... yeah yeah, no, but he was a massive. I, I remember he told me this many, many years ago, and I was uh, uh, interviewing him for the mezzanine record. Was that when he got you drunk on cider? Yes, it is. Yeah, they got me completely <laughs> leathered. They got me completely leathered, and it's when I completely misheard the lyric um, in uh, in I think in Rising Sun, where it says "toy like people make me boy like," and I asked them why they made this massive political statement: "toy like people may be boring like," and uh, <laughs> and Daddy G looked at me and he goes, "Mate, no, 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 you've got that one totally wrong." <laughs> at that point. They thought, and I had a good laugh, and yes, they got me leathered. But in the middle of all of that, he said he's a Napoli fan. So, uh, Robert Del Naja, may you enjoy the contribution of Tongi and Dombele. May you get in the Champions League, and may we get 30 million euros. Right? (laughs) (laughs) At least it wasn't Karma Coma, and you thought they were inviting you for a curry, Steph, so... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh, what a great song my god what a great band right can we just yeah, all fantastic. for a second say how brilliant massive attack are? yeah absolutely brilliant yeah anyway um talking about kind of misunderstood players um not really spurs news but it's a player we love so we're going to talk about him anyway uh news emerged this week that delhi ali is being um is close to a move to Besiktas, either on loan or permanently everton are meant to have left the decision to delhi but he's meant to want to want more minutes Delhi's decline is heartbreaking, isn't it? Mm. I have to say, that speech um, Jose gave him in his office, uh, as witnessed in our All or Nothing, has turned out to be quite poignant. Um, And the Turkish Super League is very competitive, so Delhi needs to find a spark again to be successful there. But if he does, he could be an absolute star playing for a very big club in that region. But he's just got to 
I just, you know, I hope, I hope there still is something like some sort of redemption for him, but I still, I, I, I saw the Jose chat with him on Twitter. Someone had posted it and I was, I, I watched it back and I was like, he, he got it spot on as of, as of today. At this point, I'm merely left hoping that if Delhi is suffering in some way, Mm. Uh, personally or with his mental health that he sorts that out forget about his career forget about his talent if there's something that is going on with him I hope that he or his entourage have the bravery and courage to gain the help that he may or may not need I might be being way over dramatic here and I may be giving an out for something that doesn't exist but the nature of his decline uh, performance wise versus the lack of opportunity he's getting and I do get the impression Lampard wants to play him but can't for whatever reason justify it and if this is because Delhi is is in a bad place let's just hope that whatever's going on with him he sorts it out because he's too fucking good to waste away and nobody wants a human being to suffer like that so if he is suffering if you're suffering mate I hope you find some peace I really do I do I saw a comment on Twitter the other day I think it was Spooky saying it so that he came through at um at 16 at, at, at MK Dons he's 26 now so he's, he's 10 years into his you know as a first team professional footballer and if he'd broken into a first team at 22 and he was 32 now we wouldn't be thinking anything of this particularly because it's a long time mm. to be playing sports at that kind of level and you know maybe it, you know there, there is a mental fatigue rather than anything else you know, I don't know but it is a long time to be playing sport at that kind of level you know there are rumors that he's fallen out in love with the game a bit um i i just hope hope that he he rekindles his love of football because he's a wonderful footballer when he's on form and, and can do stuff that no one else can do and you know he's 26 so he could have another you know six seven eight years easily and uh, you know if he, mm-hmm. if he can find find his groove then that'd be brilliant just a bit of trivia as a cut he's got a couple of um Ex-Spurs teammates at um, Besiktas. Any guesses? Oh. I could put you out of your misery because these are... Um, yeah, I mean, if Gareth it, was here, it. if Gareth I'm, was I'm, here, I'm, he would, I wouldn't have finished the sentence before he told me who they were. But Getson <laughs> uh, Fernandez is there. And uh, oh, wow. George, Kevin and Kuzu is there as well. So Gorgeous George. Yeah. So yeah, evidently, Delhi is keen because they're there. But that I think that should probably be a... A bit of a warning about he's keen because they're there that's probably if you want yeah i don't know i'd be looking for slightly better footballing reasons than playing with getson <laughs> fernandez and no no and gorgeous george i think you'd be doing a little better than that actually we should never say gorgeous george on this pod because it refers to that absolute wanker so we should rename it just say george it's <laughs> also an album by um edwin collins steph so maybe we can Okay. It doesn't, it doesn't have to be. To okay. <laughs> okay, back we go. <laughs> yes, well, of course, I did mean the Edwin Collins uh, reference there. Uh, uh, of course, <laughs> it's obvious. <laughs> he's he's but, never uh, got yeah. me drunk on cider, though, Steph, so we're not going to talk about it anymore. No, he hasn't um, got you fucked up on cider, no. Uh, <laughs> nor me. Um, <laughs> I bet in Kudu I could get someone fucked up on cider anyway. More Chiba do. If, we, if we're, if we're going to go through trip-hop acts who've got us pissed on cider, more I've definitely Chiba. got drunk. Did, they, did more Chiba got get you drunk? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did they? <laughs> Yeah. Really? Yeah. Wow. So we've actually determined on this pod tonight that trip hop in the nineties, the beverage of choice was cider. <laughs> <laughs> the things that we reveal. So from you know from from uh, more trip hop uh, discoveries, um, we're actually uh, at that point of the pod where, for the last time this season, we will be dis- discussing all or nothing because the final two episodes came and, and chaps, they didn't make it. They didn't make the Champions League. 
They choked at the final hour, put to the sword by the imperious and mighty Tottenham Hotspur Football Club before choking at Newcastle several days later. Uh, with major credit going down to North London's very own Brenton, Mikel Arteta, who for me was portrayed in these final two episodes as even nuttier than in the first six. And I think last week I went early when I was talking about the light bulb moment, the light bulb hugging thing, because it actually occurred in this penultimate episode. And it was absolute madness. I mean, for all that crazy Edison bonding waffle, the goons went on to lose at home to Brighton 2-1. I mean, it was bonkers, right? Uh, I, I also, as a sideline, enjoyed watching Matthew Holding's emergence as a bit of a clown footballer who seemingly finds everything funny, including his own terrible performances. And I also want to note that the dressing room footage after his sending off against us shows him fully accepting he was at fault and actually blaming nobody else for being around. As I said to you earlier on, I, my notes for this, I, my notes for All or Nothing is copious, so I might have to kind of cut it down a bit. But my note on that saying, he, he agreed, he said pretty much word for word, what we said (laughs) on the pod that week about his performance (laughs) and about the sending off. Literally minutes after the game. I give Amazon full credit here. They didn't bottle it. Uh, They did show the demise, you know, pretty much as, as it, as it was, uh, as we perceived it. Um, I thought it was really interesting to see it really did come down to Arteta. He really did blow it. I mean, you know, the way he handled the dressing room, it seems in those last fixtures was particularly crazy i mean we, we were just talking about it off pod that moment i think it was at west ham we determined where he was literally screaming at them like a madman at half time like two inches from their faces like yelling and yelling and yelling and like hopping around it's like what what is wrong with you and then the, you're losing the north under derby 2-0 and you basically write it off you basically wrote it off i mean i, I don't understand mm. but i'm glad you know I, I, i'm glad it happened so chaps chip in i don't know if you noticed but they had kind of Arsenal branded as identity, unity, and other signs that they, when they went to away dressing rooms, <laughs> he sticks them up. <laughs> it's like those office motivation posters. Uh, yeah, well, evidently that's what Brendan Rodgers used to do at Liverpool. He used to put really shitty kind of motivational yeah. posters around oh. the training ground and stuff. You know, probably a picture of an eagle flying over the Grand Canyon with, you know, fly to your highest potential <laughs> or some shit like that. Yeah. <laughs> Arteta's got some, you know, this kind of Arsenal branded crap, and I've got images on Believe. hardboard. I, I, I've got I've got images of, kind of his first thing when he turned up is saying, "I want this kind of printed up for me." And he's got these hardboard things, and he turns up an hour before uh, the rest, everyone else, with these and sticks them up in the dressing room, and it's kind of this is the big the big idea. It's um, it's embarrassing. Can we also talk about the streets of North London? That fucking awful um, song. Oh. Oh, that incredibly motivating moment where, and you see all their faces looking at him like, what? All of the players were hoping that their asses were going to open up and eat them alive and like swallow them inside so they didn't have to sit there and listen to them. Like, kind of flip seats, trying to fall down the back of a flip seat so they don't have to. And what do you think, guys? Should we play it in the stadium? And they're like, fucking hell, don't say anything. Don't look at him. Yeah. And he's been, and, and he actually said, "I've been thinking for a long time about the music oh. that's going to uh, that's going." Well, he's basically said it's going to symbolise us. Oh, it was your what a moment, Brantetta. Oh, just <laughs> you're right though. The players are just looking like what the actual fuck. 
And there was one last bit. Mm. <laughs> when he asked them about the song, when he said, uh, Booker, yeah, he was from South London, so he doesn't get to say anything. You're a fucking Arsenal. <laughs> it's like, this is the biggest self home <laughs> ever. <laughs> <It's> like... <laughs> Oh dear. Do you think they're still playing it this season? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Who, knows? Who knows? But but yeah, it was that was just an appalling moment. I agree. And I I I'm sure I mean I've not heard any Gooners comment about that. What a surprise, eh? <laughs> Their faith is undimmed from what I've seen on Twitter. They think he's a genius and still the man to lead them to the promised land, yeah. As undimmed as the light bulb moment, right? Yeah. Yeah. They're winning the league. It's happening. Yes, anyway, well, it's over. No longer shall we be talking about all or nothing. And just in case you missed it, it did indeed end up being nothing. So there we are. (laughs) Anyway, right. Transfer rumours. I will uh, try and rattle through these quickly so as we can talk about this week's weekend's game against Wolverhampton Wanderers. Brian Hill appears to be on his way. Valencia coach uh, Gennaro Gattuso said in his pre-match presser this week that he expects Brian Hill to join them this coming week. And in the post-match press conference uh, the Wolves, after the Wolves game, Antonio Conte was asked about Catuso's comments and said the following. I was very clear in the press conference before this game. This squad is this. And if someone goes away, then another has to come. This has to be very clear for everybody. Otherwise, we stay with this squad and we continue our path with these players, this squad. And that plays into our potential replacement for Brian Hill, who is Ruslan Malinovsky, uh, a left-footed attacking midfielder from Atalanta, who has been linked with us this week. And on Friday, news emerged that Olympic Marseille are apparently in talks with it for him with Atalanta as well, whereas we are as yet to make a formal approach. But then somebody else says, if we really want him, we can have him. Chaps, comments? He, he's meant to prefer, prefer us. Funnily enough, I was watching the Atalanta uh, AC Milan game before we started recording tonight. He scored a lovely goal in the first half, where mm. um, just outside the box, uh, cut inside, strike, struck with his left foot. Really nice goal. Um, he, he's got a pretty good goal scoring and assist record, takes a decent free kick. We should just touch on the issues we've got with our Champions League squad and um, kind of spaces. At the moment, we've got 19 foreign players or foreign you know, developed players, a maximum we can have 17. So Reguillon should be leaving. Brian Hill looks like he's leaving. That leaves us on 17. If we wanted to replace Brian Hill with a foreign developed player, then we would need to lose someone else of the players. You know, we've got there the ones that look most likely. I mean, I think we were expecting Papo Matasar to go out on loan. Um, but again, if he needs to be replaced, then we're gonna, one of these players is going to have to be um, association trained. So either Brian Hill or Papi Matasar, if they're going, is going to need to be replaced with a association-trained player. And then after that, any other further strengthening, if it's a foreign-registered player, then it looks like kind of Emerson Royal, Matt Doherty, or Lucas Mora are the most likely to leave in order to create space. But, you know, and for uh, right wing backs, if we're classing Mora as a right wing back now, or potentially as a right wing back, then that feels a bit fat for our needs. Um, yeah, in terms of we, we need eight. Uh, locally trained players at the moment we've got three association trained players five club trained players but amongst those is harry winks and and jaffet and i think we expect both of those to leave probably so again uh jaffet would fall into that category where conte wants him replaced so there's a bit of juggling i think i think both in terms of kind of evening up the squad in terms of where we've got an abundance of players and some you know center back particularly cover for Dyer and probably up front in cover for Kane. You know, Richarlison is covering two positions. We're probably a bit bit light there and then juggling in terms of nationalities. Side question. Um, 
I mean, I, and I'm thinking this right now. I, is there a reason that we do not think that Jaffet could be a cover for the centre-back positions? I mean, is he simply, in our opinion, not up to it in terms of being able to play out from the back? He can't pass. I mean, he has said that Conte has told him that he should be focusing on the wide positions, the wide centre-back positions. But both him and, and Davidson, we know that their first touch and their passing is poor. Right. And and that central centre-back position, central centre, central defender position is all about distribution. Yep, it certainly is. As we'll get it, as we'll be getting into, mm. in, it will be getting into that in the Wolves game as well. That clarifies the situation, I think, for anyone listening who might wonder, like, you know, why, why can't Jaffet cover? Well, there you have it. And I think it's also about whether your natural instinct is to press or to drop back. So if you look at Romero, yeah. you know, we know that Romero, what Romero is going to do when a player is coming to him with the ball, he's going to charge into him and go straight to him. You know, Sanchez and, and Jaffet's natural instinct is to do the same. Um, and, you know, w- what Dyer has excelled at is actually stepping back and, and mm. you know, and covering and sw- uh, mopping up. And that's what Conte wants in that central central defender position. Well, of course. And, yeah, I mean, that's absolutely right. Yeah. You know, people can try, you know, we saw when Sanchez played there last season, you can try and do it. But if it's not your natural instinct, then, yeah, a bit like we were saying earlier before we came on, it's like being asked to catch a ball with your wrong hand. You have to overthink it and it, you're mm. never going to perform at your best doing that. You can do it for a game or two, but it's not really what yeah. you need to do. Yeah, and, and we will we'll be talking about Davinson, obviously, a little later in the Wolves game, during which I'm sure we will stumble upon that very interesting statistic that proves once again that statistics without context really aren't worth much. Um, but let's go back to the transfer window for a moment and rumours. Uh, Reg, Reggie, <laughs> I mean... It's puzzling that there hasn't been more interest in him. I mean, Atalanta are the latest club to be linked with an interest in him. I mean, it seems like a good potential move because, quite frankly, nobody else really seems to be going for him. Why do we think this is? Is there something that we don't know? I mean, what's the story? What do you think? I'm wondering if there's like a something they know that we don't know scenario around Reggie and, and by they I mean like the footballing world but I don't think there's ever been any big noises about him having a poor attitude or anything like that um he has had injuries so I, I don't know if there's something from there but it, it even I do find it puzzling like yeah. he's he's a very good player um and I'm, I'm genuinely surprised there's not been more interest in him I think it's, I think there's a kind of shortage of money and it's probably ones where we do actually, he's probably one where we don't want to loan him out. We want money in for him maybe. So I think mm. kind of shortage of money in, in Europe possibly, but in the right team, he's going to do very well. He's a, he's a very good left back. He's just not a very good wing back for Conte. Mm. Um, I'm sure he'll leave before the end of the window. Yeah, maybe it is that simple. Let's hope it is that simple. And let's hope that a solution is found once again. You never like to see a decent player who doesn't fit the mould anymore wasting away. So good luck to him. And let's hope he finds a move uh, for for the sake of everyone, not just us, but for him. Uh, Ashley Phillips is another player that we were being heavily linked with. Um, The Blackburn teenager, Ashley Phillips, uh, reports saying that we have beaten Chelsea and Manchester United to his signature and a move was imminent. Uh, Beating Man United to someone's signature these days does not strike me as the uh, biggest uh, claim of all time. Perhaps Chelsea is a little more. But the point is, Paratici is rumoured to have watched him on Wednesday. On Friday, Dan Kilpatrick reported that the centre-back is expected to stay at Blackburn this summer and they're pushing for him to sign a new contract. However, reports were saying that we had beaten him, uh, beaten both those clubs to his signature. So who knows? There's Obviously, we're very interested. Something's going on with Ashley Phillips. Do we think he's arriving or not? Don't know. But if we do sign him, he'll go out on loan again. He's not going to come in and be in a first-team first squad. I mean, I think... The thing about him is he's 17 years old and he's starting games for Blackburn in the championship, which is remarkable at centre-back. You know, it's really difficult to break through as a centre-back to be playing first-team football at that, you know, at 17 at that level is remarkable. 
Okay. Uh, another Italian-based player to be linked with us this week is Lazio Sergei Milinkovic-Savic. Uh, I hope I've pronounced the first name properly. It's Ali Gold who's been linking us with him. So maybe there is something in this because we trust Ali Gold. So let's hope he's uh, you know, telling the truth here. Uh, the Serbian attacking midfielder has been linked with a host of top clubs over the last few years without a transfer happening. He's an exciting player. It would appear that uh, last season he played 37 games for Lazio in Serie A, scoring 11 goals and getting 11 assists. So, you know, look, we do trust Ali and we hope he's telling the truth. But it does seem to me that we're going to be linked with a fair few players between now and the end of the window. And uh, this, uh, this gentleman falls into that category. Would we agree? Uh, yeah, we agree. I I am interested to know why he's been linked with a host of top clubs over the last few years without a transfer happening. Um, like, what it's, what is the reason for that? It's a great line, isn't it? It's been linked yeah. with a host of top clubs over the last week, but yeah, but exactly. You know who? <laughs> that's my writing. Why. That is that's just that's just. Is it? That's my turn of phrase. Oh. Yeah, that's my turn of phrase. Oh, I, your, oh I <laughs> well then, Milo, who and why? No, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, who knows? Who knows? He's but what player. we do know is, yeah, I haven't seen player, enough yeah. of him to to be able to comment. Uh, he's, I mean, what I have seen, he looks decent, you know. But what I will say is that uh, we talked about Jeffrey Tanganga and uh, a few minutes ago, there appears to be uh, some fresh talks happening between ourselves and AC Milan for this slow motion transfer of Jeffett. Uh, Fabrizio Romano, a man who we maybe don't trust as much as Ali Gold, but who we do still quote nonetheless, says that we are insisting on a mandatory buy clause in order to allow Jaffet to leave this summer. This brings me to a rumour that I find particularly interesting and curious because I had not heard of it until this week's notes. The Evening Standard are reporting that Spurs have joined Inter Milan and Roma in showing interest in Chelsea centre-back Trevor Chalobah. Uh, Chalobah is said to be frustrated at his lack of first-team opportunities at Chelsea, and these seem to be getting worse, with Chelsea continuing to be linked with Leicester's Wesley Fofana. So, uh, uh, again, uh, a, a curious rumour that's come from nowhere, and I just don't see why Chelsea would sell him to us. It just doesn't mm. make sense to me, right? Chelsea are meant to want to loan him out, and I can't see them loaning to, to us. I think Villa are also in the mix for him. I could, I think that's probably uh, more likely. But right. in terms of in terms of profile, yeah. he, he fits. I can see why we're interested. You know, he's a, he's a good passer. Mm. He's uh, he can carry the ball out of defence. He he's exactly what um, Conte wants in a centre back. Um, and you know, we've touched on the homegrown element earlier on. So uh, he ticks a lot of boxes. But uh, you know, maybe maybe. Chelsea will do business with us now they've had a change of owner. Right. I mean, I don't know if they will do any business with us right now because of that, uh, because the handshake wasn't so friendly. I wonder if that's going to have a factor. Should I um, cut out the small cock energy stuff in case it antagonizes relations between the clubs and uh, makes it difficult for us to complete? <laughs> yes, the, yes. The let's, let's make sure. The, let's Thomas sure Tuchel is a fine, upstanding individual with a massive willy. With a, with a massive <laughs> We've always liked him, and we actually do have a little sympathy because, uh, you know, when a man of his height and stature shakes someone's hand, it usually will last a little longer than the average person's because they are so mighty. I like this. This is our this is our olive branch. Sorry, just 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 back to um, kind of the handshake and micro penises. Um, you, it, what it reminded me of? Do you remember you get the uh, photo opportunities with Donald Trump where he'd uh, shake another world yeah. leader's hand and then yeah. refused to let go in order to try and show who was the biggest man? Of, yeah. So that's what it reminded me of. It, it was Trumpian, and um, you don't want that in your manager. No. The lowest of, of blows, but we can't deny that the comparison is completely real. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's no more to be said about the topic other than 
you know, we wouldn't mind Chalabar on loan regardless of your micro penis and ridiculously <laughs> long handshake. So, uh, yes. Uh, Pierre Emile Hoybier, a man whose uh, manhood I will avoid making any assertions on. <laughs> Pierre Emile Hoybier is the latest person to be uh, engaged in a spurious and I think somewhat ludicrous rumor, <laughs> courtesy of that. Um, large uh, sheet of toilet paper the telegraph uh, <laughs> and jason burt you know where where do they they put two and two together and come up with five i mean you know uh, carlo ancelotti is an admirer of hoybier and tried to sign the midfielder for everton and the italian was in charge at goodison park yes jason so that automatically means that now that he has supposedly then go casemiro to man united that he's immediately going to turn around and buy pierre mil hoybier what a load of nonsense i mean it really isn't it i think we've put this in here this week just to again illustrate how ludicrous the transfer window can be and how how pathetic these rumors can be right it's it's close to that stuff i've been away for a couple of weeks i just put it in for giggles it's good, I isn't to, it? I wanted to see how you react. Oh, it's great. Well, I mean, you 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 took you took my line from me in in the thread when you did, I think you were referring. To, I think you were say, saying to Arma that like you felt that the Telegraph was actually just you know broadsheet toilet paper, like larger mm. sheets of toilet paper. I said it was like the it was the Express that's difficult to read on a train. Well, it's close yeah. to saying it's like large <laughs> sheets of toilet paper. So maybe that was my original thought, and I just have <laughs> images of consistently wiping my ass with the Telegraph, and I would wipe my ass with this particular page and report. I think it's nonsense well i could do better than that um carlo ancelotti um said this week he, he listed the central midfielders he's got and then he said six midfielders is enough for this season they're very very good so he's he's poo-pooed it if you will if we were to entertain it though i'd, I'd sell him for a massive fee you know if if, if madrid hmm? wanted to offer us like 150 million or something i'd be like yep let's you know if we are going to entertain it are you putting you're putting a price on Emil's head? Really, 150 yeah, million? Why not? Like a, a completely overblown price? Surely, mm-hmm. 150 million would be one million. Per, one, one million per tattoo. Yeah, <laughs> that's interesting. I hadn't even even I hadn't possibly considered it. Yeah, maybe. I suppose yeah. there is that theory that everyone has their price. I, mean, I suppose 150 is all right. I've, anyone who pay 150 for Pierre Emil Hoybier would surely pay 200 million. I'm saying 200 million, and he can go. <laughs> Okay, fair. Yeah, Is there anyone we would be willing to take from Madrid? No one really comes to mind. No. Two hundred million <laughs> straight cash, and, uh, and and we get a buyback option at a tenth of the price. We'll at the take end the, of the training ground. <laughs> yeah, take their club. We, the club becomes our feeder <laughs> club. They can have him for two hundred million, and they have to sign a, a sign a document saying they are our feeder club. We, we've already got a special <laughs> relationship, Steph. We've done that deal. Yeah, that's right. We certainly do. We certainly do. Yeah, well, there we are. We have reached the uh, moment of the pod uh, where we actually talk about the game of football that took place this week, believe it or not, which was at the mighty Tottenham Hotspur Stadium against Wolverhampton Wanderers. The score was one goal to nil. Let's kick it off with a very simple, uh, holistic question. Uh, what did you guys think of the team selection with uh, Sanchez and Perisic coming in for Romero and Sessegnon? Um, so what did you think of the selection? How did those two do? I think Sanchez for Romero was like an obvious change. So, you know, it was, there was no surprise there. Um, and I think a home game against a competitive, like upper mid table side, uh, was a good test for Perisic to make his, it's his first league start, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And Sanchez obviously had, you know, we've spoken about this at length before. He has his limitations on the ball, but I actually thought his anticipation for danger um, and com- combativeness, which he's, he's been accused of not having, um, you know, previously uh, uh, on the day was excellent. Um, he made a great sliding block to stop a certain shot on target from close range. I thought he worked well with Royale, especially as they were definitely being targeted by Wolves from the off. Um and I thought Perisic was quiet in the first half, but not really through any fault of his own as such. I thought our midfield was too slow on the turn and unable to feed him. But the change of intensity in the second half, I thought, and what seemed like slight, t- slight tweaks in the formation, uh, I think I thought he came alive. Um, he was too selfless after one dribble into a shooting position, I thought, but he got the assist for Kane. He was a general pest to the Wolves defence in the second half. So I thought it was a, it was a good showing from him. Um, yeah, I, I thought, I mean, they're both changes that I would have made. I think um, Sanchez is clearly, you know, Romero's understudy. Um, we know what he brings and, you know, the differences between the two of them. You know, he's a step down in quality, but pretty much everyone will be from Romero. I thought defensively he had a pretty good game. Mm. Um, you know, the misreading the the high ball was probably the you know the biggest error he had defensively um he does bring us problems in possession and that was um you know clearly an issue with the Wolves team that pressed us heavily early on and we had we struggled to play through and uh Sanchez being in the team makes that worse but uh, you know overall uh, yeah he was okay um and I don't think you know we're, we're not going to be able to bring in a better um back up to Romero you know before the end of the window so you know that that's that's who we've got you know I thought Perisic Agree with Ram. I thought he had a quiet first half. I thought he was excellent in the second half. And I think him stepping it up as along with Capri, Hoybier and uh, and Decky was the difference between our first half and second half performance. I think all three had, had very, very good mm-hmm. um, second halves. And that's, that was the difference between the teams on the day. There was one other change, Steph, actually, I want to ask you about. It was not, not for this game, but for this season with an Enter Sandman coming in i saw a comment online about how um i think someone someone was polling on you know what what people thought of enter sandman as a as an intro track and someone had said well of course metallica aren't fully coys but i know for a fact that they've been to the ground i can categorically say that uh a couple of the boys have been to a few games that that's as much as i'm going to say um (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh, and dating back to some t- dating back some time as well um they they've not been to the new stadium actually but uh but they have been to a few games and uh, and also it should be noted that there are some mighty metallica fans uh within within the club organization as well two games five goals one concession six points carry on playing it because it's working right absolutely Enter can i just space. make yeah <laughs> <laughs> can i just um make a make a, a battle cry to any Spurs fan listening to this who's at the stadium. Can you just hold off and they come on new Spurs when the team come out? And can we just do a rendition of Enter Sandman? Just let it play out and just sing our hearts out. I think that will really add something to yeah. uh, to the entrance. Yeah, absolutely. I like that. But let, getting back to the game for a second, well, getting back to the game for the rest of the pod, actually, even though I, I kind of like talking <laughs> about music, I have to say it's fun. <laughs> but back to the, back to the pod. Um, <clears throat> I felt that uh, Sanchez did really did really well defensively. I think, but pretty much what you said, Ram, and and also pretty much what you said, Milo, is that you know, I mean, he is a very diligent defender. He's been exceptionally diligent whenever he's come in for Romero to the point where you know, and this is one of those curious statistics, curious statistics that I mentioned earlier: four hundred and fifty minutes with Davinson Sanchez on the pitch, we haven't conceded a goal. So make of that statistic what you will. I think it's fascinating. Um, you know, but it's very clear 
that he is uncomfortable in possession. And I felt that our entire first half was dictated by that. Um, our whole right side seemed completely stultified. I think it, it sort of, it really uh, crippled Decky to an extent. He was quite easy to mark out of the game because the speed of progression wasn't there. I mean, all, all the things that we know. And I even, um, and I know that um, Milo, you, you feel it might have been to make up numbers in midfield, but I felt that Perisic actually, when he didn't get released early a couple of times, early in the first half, I felt that that was his reason for coming infield a bit more and maybe Maybe not keeping the width. And the biggest thing I noticed in the second half was basically that we were told to like play through the right side more, and those players were told to fucking take some responsibility. Like mm. you know, I felt Royale was told take some responsibility here and push on, and I felt that Perisic was told to stay wide, and I, I felt that that those things really made a difference. And our midfield started to support that right side more. And I know that we've talked about this in the thread, um, chaps. So it's not these are not exclusively my thoughts; it's more group thoughts we've discussed. So. Evidently, Conte told the uh, wing backs to tuck in and support the midfield because we were being outnumbered in midfield a little okay. bit. Yeah. So uh, it was a plan. Um, that was to I get th- through the first half. That's right. Yeah. And then, okay. and then once to weather got to, it. when you, when you got to half time, up the ante, press more. And I think you know one of the things I shared with you was um, the amount of time that players had on the ball. And in the first time, Dyer had you know, the vast majority of our possession. And then in the second yeah. half, that dropped off markedly. And we we're seeing a lot more of Hoybier, uh, Perisic, Decky, and, and Kane and others getting on the ball. So we, we were clearly getting the ball forward a lot more. And I think that it's fair to say that Sanchez and Royale in the second half were a lot more uh, uh, progressive or trying to be a lot more progressive. Again, I don't say that they executed with any particular panache, but they were certainly not quite as cautious as maybe they were. I mean, several times, we talked about this in, uh, again in our thread, you know, time and time again, Royale would receive the ball in the first half and check backwards. And I felt in the second half, he was pushing it a little more and looking to be more progressive and interactive with the supporting cast around him. Very important. What you never see, though, is Sanchez playing a ball for Royal to run onto. No. If you look at if you look at the passing lanes, yeah. there's there's nothing going between them. No. And what's happening is that Sanchez is laying a part across to Dyer. Dyer's playing it through, and, and and actually, when Royal's getting on the ball, it's coming out from Hoybier, and it's Hoybier's passing that's yes. bringing in the right. Absolutely. In. So that's where it's bringing Decky in. That's bringing Royal in. Yeah. And and it it does make us a lot more predictable. Yeah, and that's Con- I mean, it's Conti's fix in those moments for that situation, yeah. and uh, you know, but it, it it worked. It has to be said. And I think the way we've got to think about this is that, you know, we know that Sanchez isn't perfect for Conte, but let's assume that Conte is here for next season as well. And that's an issue we can address next summer. So what we've done is we've addressed most of our major issues and strengthened over you know the two windows he's had so far. And then next summer we can we can look at really finishing the deal. And, you know, if you think about Klopp at, at, um, at Liverpool, how long did he wait until he brought in Van Dijk? You know, we know that they made an illegal approach to them. They got fined for it and they couldn't, they were banned from signing him for a while. He waited and he got the player in he really needed and it pushed on. And if we start thinking about this as a, that on those kind of timescales about, you know, what's, what's our long-term plan if he's around for another year, then, you know, obviously Sanchez is fine for this season. You know, two, three years down the line, he's not going to be in the team. He will be moved on, but he's not a priority right now. And he did, he did fine yesterday. And we can live yeah. with those weaknesses. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And and just yeah. to just to further on Perisic, I mean, I, 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 what a set piece taker when he takes them, uh, and what an asset from set pieces he appears to be because that flick on um, was was world class, a brilliant flick on. And we'll mm. talk about that goal, I'm sure, in, when we get to the Harry Kane portion. Sorry, just having been very 
kind about Sanchez there. Can I just say one real negative? There was the pass out from from Lloris to Sanchez where he miscontrolled it, and then it resulted in a free kick on the other side of our, our box. And that was everything that he does badly. It was a really simple control and pass, and he, he completely fluffed it. Well, I'm afraid that you're going to have to cut that out from the pod now because you missed your slot to put a negative about Davinson <laughs> Sanchez in because we've already moved on to the positives of Ivan Perisic. So, but yeah. I, I don't edit the show, actually, so I'm sure that that's the bit that's going to end up being cut and ended up on the floor. So, <laughs> I think But what we can all agree on is the bench is proving so important in these first few games of the season. Mm. And again, it was important in this game. Richarlison comes on, really, really reinvigorates. Perisic, you know, he gets 70 minutes under his belt. Great work. And then Sessegnon comes on and there's not any let up at all. In mm. in fact, I thought Sessegnon had a great 20 minutes, played really well. And, you know, you can tell Conti's really gunning for, rooting for him, not gunning for, really rooting for him. He, he really likes Sessegnon. Mm. You can tell. I mean, you know, we've got, and then Bissouma comes on. I mean, the bench is, is is just doing its job, right? I think our bench is as strong as it's ever been. And I think um, there's real options to bring on players that can make a valuable contribution to whatever scenario we're in, whether it's to hold on to a lead, chasing a game, looking for a winner. We now have players to come off the bench that can do any of those jobs, you know, and actually makes a, a decent contribution. Yeah, I mean, I think I, I agree with that. I think it's our strongest ever squad. Um, and... Uh, all of the players who came on did a really good job. I think one interesting thing there is we saw another formation change from Conte. So we switched to 3-5-2 uh, when Basuma came on. And I think that's probably a formation that we'll see to see out games more, far for, far more than the 4-4-2 we saw last weekend. I don't think, I think that's mm. maybe a Chelsea thing. We're not going to see that very frequently, but the 3-5-2, I think we probably will see a bit more. Um, and I, I thought we looked very comfortable seeing out the game. Once those subs came on, you know, we, it helped that Wolves for, for, you know, they were good in possession, but they were toothless up front and we we restricted them to shots from distance pretty much throughout the game. Um, you know, Lloris didn't really have a difficult save to make all game, I don't think. Um, uh, but we looked very comfortable seeing out a 1-0 victory from kind of, you know, 70 minutes onwards and uh, all of those subs uh, helped that. I mean, Richarlison is... Is, is is such a, a pest and a skillful pest. You know, he had another uh, really powerful run in in yesterday's game. You know, it does bring up the question, and this is one that fans are asking. So, uh, you know, it probably behooves us to ask it as well. Um, you know, Sonny. Um, you know, Sonny's going through one of his spells where it's not quite happening for him. We've seen them many times before. We'll see them again, and we know what happens once he comes out of them. <laughs> So uh, there's no real fear, but I suppose the, the question is now that there is a genuine chance for him to maybe, you know, regain some energy or get his druthers back or whatever. Do you think that Richarlison should start next week or do we give Sonny the chance to play through some average form? I mean, I, I, I vote for the latter just because that's how I am as a human being. And But, you know, I, I must say if Richarlison came in, I wouldn't be upset in terms of the quality. I think it would be quality. But what do you what do you chaps think? I think Sonny deserves the chance to yeah. um, play through it, you know, and I think he can do. But I also, you know, I will say now we have the squad, now we have a player like Richarlison, why not? <laughs> why not tough, bring him isn't in? It? And... It's a really tough decision. Milo, let's let's get let's see what Milo says because Milo will have a definitive comment on this, I'm sure. No pressure. I think if you've got a squad, you've got to use it. And um, we, you know, before before we came on pod, we were talking about. Next week, we've got three games in seven days. So there's going to have to be some rotation. So Richarlison is going to start at least one of those three games. 
Um, and the question is, is does he, do we give Son a rest? Do we give Kane a rest? Or maybe he plays two games and each of them gets one game off or you know, starts one game on the bench. I told you, Ram, I told you. He, he's, he's found the way to answer this with complete diplomacy, accuracy, and making sure that nobody is being slighted in any way. Have you noticed? <laughs> no, I mean, it's because you're, yeah, yeah, yeah. you're absolutely right. Yeah. That is the logical way to look at it. It's not a binary question at all. It, it's, 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 it is more holistic because you said there are three games in seven days. I mean, even Harry Kane made mention of that. So, Richarlison has been excellent when he's coming on all three games this season. He he was brilliant when he came on against Chelsea. I thought he was very very good when he came on yesterday. I think oh. it it wasn't his first involvement. One of his early involvements, he held onto the ball uh, when there was a challenge on him in in midfield. He laid the ball off to Hoybier. Hoybier passes a long field cross field pass to Decky. Decky crosses and then Richarlison gets onto it at the back post. It doesn't result in anything, but winning the ball, holding onto the ball under pressure, laying it off, making that run. It, yeah, really, really, really good. Really good. And he did a lot of that. Yeah. A lot of dirty work in midfield, yes. but then yeah. then looking to get forward yes. after after doing the dirty work. Yeah. And there were mo- there were moments when uh, we caught him on the break, but he was out on his own and he still found a way to get past like yeah. two or three Wolves players in that you know in that side. And I mentioned that in a preseason pod. I said I'm I'm quite excited to see those little moments of magic that he can produce and he did it he did it a couple of times. Yes, he did. He squeezed a corner from one of them. I remember that. It was uh, mm. from nothing really. And you know, I mean one of the things just to throw in at this point, I think it's important to note. It was a tight game, it was a one nil game, but it wasn't really a one nil game. I mean, Harry Kane's hit the bar with an excellent head. Sonny's hit the post. I mean, we 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 could you know we could easily have. I mean, Perisic, as you pointed out, Ram probably took the really unselfish option when the angle suggested that's in. It's inviting him to curl that into the corner Mm. of the net for possibly the goal of the month already. I mean, so we could have on another day we run out three four nil winners having ground down Wolves after a tough first half, and I think it's a pattern that we will see this season. And I think our superior fitness and bench is going to you know win us a lot of games in the last twenty minutes. Um, You know, and and we we, on another day I think we, we do end up with a three goal win. You know, so. You know, typically under Conte, we have been slow starters. We saw it a lot last yeah. season where we had mm-hmm. a slow first half and then improved in the second half. Um, and, yes. you know, so it's not as if this is this is new. And in, in terms of, you know, our fixtures so far, these are, you know, three games we've got zero points from last season. We've got seven points from them. Yeah, right. Um, yeah. You know, Forrest... Obviously, that they weren't in the league last year, but yeah. Say, say we swap Forest out for Burnley, then Burnley—that's the game we lost away from home. Uh, then we got West Ham, or you know, West Ham, which we also lost the corresponding fi- fixture last season. We've had the toughest start in the Premier League of any any team in the Premier League this season, and and we're we're we're, we're you know ratcheting up points. This is okay. This is fine. Yes. Um. And and you know we know that. Conte is slowly introducing the new players. We know that there's more to come from this. We know that Kane and Son are going to click at some point. They're going to be unplayable. We know that there's levels to come. Absolutely. And it, I distinctly remember under Poch, we, we were notoriously slow starters. But then once but once it all clicked in, we were really machine-like, you know, and I, and I can see that with under Conte as well. You know, and I, I think, we, you know, we, we've got a few gears to step up. Uh, I think we will. Um, you know, and, and this game, this time last season, again, like you said, we lose this game or concede late on. Yes. Um, and to draw one all, um, at the same stage last season. So, you know, we were, we were defensively disciplined, I thought, you know, and, um, and we didn't give Wolves, uh, a, a, 
a lot in front of goal. Um, so yeah, so yeah, I think you know when we click, I don't think we've clicked fully yet, but when we do, I think I think there's a lot of positives to come. Mm-hmm. The other the other addition to the squad that you know we need to think about here is um, uh, our old friend Vio. So this is the second game in a trot where we, we scored a goal from a from a set piece from a corner. We know that you know you you can begin to see patterns in the way that we're approaching set pieces. We know that there's variety there. We know that we're making dummy runs. Um, if you look at this um, this goal as uh, you know, this week came, uh, and as well as the one last week, you know you're seeing runs where we're stretching the opposition defence. So Kane scored this one at the back post. You've got a load of runners going to the front post to try and split the the, the defenders and, and create space and make it easier for us attack, to attack. It was the same against Chelsea last week where you saw players trying to drag players down and then you had a load of the players attacking the ball at the front post as well. But it, it's splitting it out. It's very similar to what we see with um, Conte when he's attacking where you get the um, five vertical lines where you get the, kind of the wing backs, um, the wide forwards, Kane, you know, so you've got, you're occupying those five uh, five channels. It's very similar to that, but in a more compressed space, kind of the width of the box, but you'll see the players stretched right the way across that and stretching the defence and, and switching runs in order to try and drag those players around. And we're seeing benefits from that already. And mm-hmm. there's going to be a lot more to, to come and, you know, more variety from this, but it's very encouraging. Mm. Let's talk about Harry Kane, shall we? Don't you think this is the time? Uh, 250 career goals. The Tottenham Hotspur Football Club. Um, it might have looked easy yesterday, but I thought it was an absolutely brilliant goal that showcased uh, not just you know what an instinctive and clever striker he is, but also I think he's got a little more aggression and bite to his game this season than he's had before. He yeah. little a little more maybe a little more aggro about him, a little more physicality even than before. I mean that 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 goal as you quite rightly said everyone's gone to the everyone's gone to the front post he has engaged his center half physically he's made sure the center half feels him and then he's just very very deftly dropped, dropped off. off him by 2 yards mm. and bought himself yeah. what looks like a tapping goal but that's a that that is a quality finish a, a a really classy goal um and nobody else could could really score it at this point in the premiership he's he's on he's he's, he's on his own right there was a there was a chance in the first half that was similar actually where I think it was Kilman who headed back across the box and we nearly got someone on the back post of that one as well where he was trying to clear the lines. Mm. Um, yeah, no, it was a superb goal. And so you're underselling it, Steph, with just the 250 goals. So um, he's become uh, so he's overtaken Aguero to be the fourth uh, all-time top scorer in the Premier League on 185. Um, he's two behind Andy Cole now and uh, on. 187 so you'd expect him you know might even do that before the what the month's out so Rooney's on second on 208 and then Shearer's on 260 so conceivably he might pass Rooney this season if not certainly next season so I mean you know Shearer's got a bit you know there's a few more seasons work um I think this makes him the all-time top scorer in the Premier League with one club correct Um, that's right and then it it was also Spurs 1000th Premier League game at home um, oh, oh, I didn't know that. So, so currently, hmm. so in terms of the Spurs record, he's on two two fifty. Greaves is on two six six. So he's sixteen behind Greaves, which again you'd assume he's going to do this season. I I think we really need to start having the conversation about whether he's our greatest ever player. I mean, look, you know, we can talk about you know whether he put in a performance worthy of such a landmark. I mean, I think when you when you score the decisive goal in a tight yeah. game and you do so with that guile and craft 
an execution, yeah. I think you did. Um, I also did enjoy another element. I mean, he got a yellow card for it, so it may not have been the smartest, but he definitely showed that he's not going to take some of the abuse that he's been getting in the last couple yeah. of seasons because um, I believe it was Neves had gone through on his Achilles and he made sure that he gave him a shove back. Um, I think it's a statement. I think he's like, hey, no more. You know, I like to see it. Neves gave him some chat and then he, he got up and then as he was walking past, he kind of, yeah, he barged him. And mm. I was a bit worried at first because I didn't see it, but I saw Neves on the deck mm. and I saw Harry kind of uncharacteristically walking very far away from the situation. And I was like, <laughs> oh no. But uh, but no, yeah, it, it was it was all good. I don't, I'm not even sure he got, if, if he did get a yellow step, he, did. he might have done. He did, yeah, he did, yeah. I must say, I thought both yeah. him and... Um, Decky particularly were getting absolutely no protection in the first half. And I know that this is new directive no, to let uh, no. for the refs to let the game run, but I'm really not a fan of this because you're seeing um, a lot of defenders or midfielders clattering into the back of players and bringing them down and then mm. play on, you know, play being waved on. I, I, I do wonder whether this is one of the things that there'll be an incident in some point in the next few weeks and then yes. they'll modify the yeah. um, the directive. You get I this agree. every season, don't you? Do you remember the handball a couple of years ago where we yep. got... We got a load of penalties against yeah. us, and then, um, and then, 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 yeah, then yeah. they changed the changed the directive. And at, at the moment, I, th- I think letting the game flow is good. But when you've got attacking players, particularly when someone's clipping their heels or running into the back of them and stopping, you know, and then mm. you're not getting a free kick for it, I don't think is right, and it's it's weighing it the wrong way. And um, I, I suspect that mm. I suspect this will change within the month. No, I I agree, but I think like it will even out, as you say. I hope that this, I hope that whatever situation occurs to have it even out is not a serious injury for someone that's the only thing you hope i'd rather it was a sort of a big massive hand handbags that embarrasses everyone so much that they're like well we've got to reevaluate how these you know what the edict is for the rest of the season i hope nobody gets hurt because it is conceivable that someone could and it's interesting you bring up the treatment of decky i felt there was a lot of that at stanford bridge as well a mm. lot of very very uh what i would call um over the line treatment yeah i agree with that. um so yeah I agree, but but you know, back to back to Kane. Uh, you know, he is in superlative form. I mean, you know, for a man who doesn't score in August, I mean, I think we've taken care of that uh, myth by some distance mm. now. Two goals in the last three games. You would say that he's been unlucky not to have hit a second goal in each game. Again, I go back to the header yesterday, which was brilliant. What a great header! Uh, very unfortunate, and it's he just looks. He really looks like he wants it more than he's ever wanted it. You just have to look at his celebration when he scored. I, I, I he was it was such a passionate celebration, and you, you know he was so so kind of yeah. He just you know he, there there was a lot of power behind it, and I just thought that he um I, I was like ah oh, I feel like this is the Harry yeah. this is the Harry that was missing at the start of last season yeah. you know and, but he's definitely back yeah indeed uh let's let's just you know round off by talking about what we did think of wolves uh, i'll kick it off by saying that i thought uh you know they they were tidy you know they're well set up um you know i think they could probably consider themselves unlucky not to have got something from the game despite the fact i think we won deservedly there's a contradiction for you try and figure that one out um you're a but no, i mean if you're i'm speaking for- <laughs> <laughs> I'm wrapped in some. I'm wrapped in some. I'm wrapped in a conundrum, and I am an enigma. I'm an enigmatic fueled, wrapped fueled conundrum. You're absolutely. Cr- 
There we go. I, think, I, I like that. And and big cock energy. Excellent. Let's put it all on my epitaph. Let's, let's capture those words and they can be engraved on my gravestone. Good Lord. We're talking about my grave. Anyway. Um, yeah. I mean, I think I'm looking from a wolf's perspective, you know, they will feel that they, they could have got something from it. And quite rightly so. They were technical. They were tight. You know, like, like you said, a few before we started recording ram does make you wonder are they going to be able to make the push that it seems they could to to kind of get in the europa league places they they just lack i said earlier they lack a killer instinct so there there's um you know there's there's something up front that's not quite right there because they are they're they're excellent on the ball they've got all all of their players unless they specifically turn it on for us which uh you know they are somewhat of a bogey team for us at times but Mm, they're all great on the ball great first touches a lot of movement a lot of good vision um, I did notice Ruben Neves in our last home game against them. He ran the show completely and he was, we, we kept him a bit more quiet this time. And I wonder if that was like, you know, something, uh, a bit of a difference maker, but, um, He's you know, we've got a we, quality we, player, we, isn't he? He, I'd, I'd, I'd I'd really like him at Tottenham. I think you yeah. know when when we get up two hundred million for Hoybier, maybe we should put a cheeky bid in for him. Why doesn't that small cock energy of Mendes help throw us a fucking favour there? Right? <laughs> yeah, I, I was impressed with Wolves. I think Bruno Lars has done a really really good job there. And if yeah. you can compare them to kind of Nuno's uh, Wolf side, which yeah had their moments, but they could be bloody boring. Um, mm. Yeah, they they're a really solid side, and I think they. Yeah, they approached the game yesterday in a very similar way to Chelsea did last weekend in that they were trying to stifle us. You know, you've got the front three closing down our, our three defenders, making it very difficult for us to pass out of defence when it's working well. Um, we had similar trouble with being outnumbered in, in midfield where um, Hoypier and Bentenker found themselves boxed in on occasions. And, and again, we couldn't get the ball to them and then they couldn't find a ball out, particularly in the first half. Mm. And similarly, you know, as you said, Ram, same, same as Chelsea last weekend, if they had a striker, they probably would have won the game. And, mm. um, you know, they, they could work the ball around and they, you know, we were feeding them into the channels, but we knew once we got to the channels, they had nothing to get the ball, you know, nothing in the box. So, um, it, you know, it made, made it easy for us, but they're a really good team and, um, they're, they're nice to watch. And, um, you know, Bruno Large is a, say, is a manager we've spoken about before. He's the man who, who saved Adele Trapp's career and converting him into a defensive midfielder. So yeah, he's a, he's a, he's a good manager. He's, he's done really well at Wolves. I, I like him. I like his team. Let me throw this into the mix just as a, fi- a final question before we go positives and negatives. I mean, when you look at Bruno Large and you look at Everton's start to the season, do you think Everton would be possibly looking to try and sneak a manager like that in uh, in and around the World Cup if it continues to go south for, for Everton? I mean, do we see Bruno Large as being someone who is going to ascend the Premiership ranks or would it be a... Di- or would it be a, a- a backwards move. <laughs> yeah, right now. You, you're yeah. playing managerial snakes and ladders there, Steph, and that's that's a big snake. It, yes, a big we've, we've this <laughs> big snake indeed. <laughs> oh dear, we're so childish. Charlie, you see, he comes yeah. back from the forest and beers, and here we are. He's like, we're just children, aren't we? We're just that's all we really are. We're men. We're we're boys playing to be men. But anyway, uh, we're trying to be. Trying to be men. It'll, Look, be back, let's... it'll be a backward move, but they could do a lot worse than try and find a manager like Lars. There yeah. we go. They should be having it large, if you will. And uh, so, yeah, that was terrible. I'm sorry. Let's go to one positive, one negative. Uh, the, the negative, not my joke, doesn't count as a negative. So you can't have that. Um, one positive, one negative. Three, two, one, Milo. Um, I'll start with a negative. Um, struggled again in the first half against a team that presses us. Um, you know, our, our two bogey. Um, 
uh, kind of opponents under Conte are teams that press us or teams that sit back and put um, 10 men behind the ball. Um, I suspect that our summer business means that we'll do better against teams that sit back. But um, yeah, being pressed, we don't like. We need to find a way out of it. The positive is that in the second half, we did find a little way out of it. Um, we'll, you know, the, the, there's going to be teams that do do it better than Wolves. So, it, it, you know, it, I don't think we've necessarily found the solution, but we found a solution and that's a positive. Right. Um, my negative was the same as Milo's, but also I'll just add to that. We were painfully slow in that first half in terms of our pace and movement and even on the break. So uh, we can't afford to keep, you know, we can't afford to do that too many times if we really have aspirations for that top three or four finish. Um, but our positive, I don't know whether this was shown on TV. Obviously, I was at the game, so I don't know whether uh, they, this was picked up on. But Dyer once again, just showed how much of a leader he is in that squad and how much of a voice he is. He he absolutely screamed at um, our forward players at the start of the second half when they didn't, um, after I think having a deep, being deep in conversation with Sonny, just before the half started saying, right, this is what you need to be doing. This is where you need to be running. This is where the ball be fed. And then they weren't running and he just laid into them mm. so much. And I just thought that was great because I was like, yeah, exactly. That's what we need. I, I noticed him cheering up everyone. Uh, for a corner late in the game, uh, when we're you know, trying to see the game out and you know, really chatting. One brief thing on him: there was also the uh, altercation between him and Larice, where Larice gave him a bollocking. Um, and I think we were talking about this, wasn't it? I think it was in front of you, but um, yeah, Larice gave him a bollocking at some point, and Dyer appeared to accept that he was in the wrong for it. I'm not quite sure what happened, but um, yeah. But it's good that they're vocal. I'm sure Conte's yeah. going to like that. The players talking to each other and, and doing yeah, dealing with it exactly. Yeah, yeah. I think. The negative is the same as everybody has said, that slow starts, a 12.30 kickoff. We know how these go. We know how we need to be. It did seem a little flat. But the massive positive to counter that is that even in those flat states, we have the system, the mentality, the focus and the uh, and and the tools off the bench to be able to, 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 to get through it. Uh, we're not playing particularly well, uh, I don't think. It's, we're playing average. Um, but we have seven points from nine in, as you said, Milo, uh, a run of fixtures, which were uh, not not nice to us the last time. As a matter of fact, they yielded no points. So that's got to be a massive positive. And uh, and, and that's where I think I'm going to leave it uh, this week, chaps. I think we, we, we've done ourselves proud. Uh, thanks, chaps. It's been a lot of fun. Cheers, Steph. Thanks, guys. Yeah, indeed. And we will be back next week to discuss our game against Nottingham Forest at the City Ground. Uh, what a great away day that is and, mm. and how nice it is to have Forest back uh, in, in the Premiership. Am I, am I right, chaps? I'm going to invite yeah. you back in now to comment on that. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, I've, got, I've, got, I've got a soft spot for Forest, so I'm looking forward to yeah. that game. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be fun. And, and for what it's worth, they've been playing pretty well. So I expect it to be a, a pretty open and exciting encounter. Uh, so everyone subscribe, leave a review, tell your friends about us, give us a follow on Twitter, do all the positive things you can to make sure the world knows how good the game is about glory is. And as always, thanks for joining us and we'll see you next week. Goodbye.